Fourth chapter of 1 Peter, my brother says in verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Let's bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless us tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening hopeful, I trust, Father, to have a time of fellowship and sweet communion with you here shortly, Father, as we consider your word and then go to prayer and take our time. Lord, this privilege that we have to seek your face, to present to you certainly, Father, those things that are on our hearts, Father, those desires and those things that we perceive as needs. But Father, more than anything, help us to open our hearts to receive from you, Lord, what you want to say to us, what you're calling us to and directing us in. Lord, help us, Father, to appreciate this privilege that we have, to be serious about this time of communion with the Almighty God. Thank you that you give us this opportunity. I praise you, Lord, tonight and ask you to bless this word and bless our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the opening statement there in this verse is rather weighty, I guess you might say. But the end of all things is at hand. Uh, that's well, getting straight to it. And, and well, I guess depending on your context, depending on, on your position, depending on your hopes and your desires in the Lord, this could be something that would be potentially even unpleasant to you. I hope that it isn't uh, tonight. But there it is. It's rather weighty. The end of all things is at hand. I hope that that brings and sparks joy in your heart. Uh, certainly it's something that the mature believer would find joy in. But regardless, whatever the response, what Peter spoke here was frank and to the point. He says the end of all things is at hand, and he spoke truthfully, we understand. Peter speaks, well, at length about the end of all things. If you flip a couple of pages into the next epistle of Peter, Looking at verse 10 in the third chapter of Second Peter chapter 3, he speaks regarding the end of all things. He speaks about the end of those tangible, visible things that we have our feet on right now, that we can reach out and touch. Uh, those things as we see and know them day to day. He speaks about the end of those things in the 10th verse there. He says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And I take that literally. There's going to be a destruction that's there as the Lord makes all things new. He's going to put aside this that has been sullied and, and contaminated and defiled even by mankind. Peter was speaking about those things when the end comes. But he was also talking about, well, as you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you'll see Paul talking about what Peter was also including there, and that's those earthly systems that we have, those <clears throat> hierarchies and those, uh, I guess you could say paradigms perhaps, those things that we understand as being the systems of this world, not just the things that are tangible that we can touch, but the processes of this world. He included those in the end as well. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24. Then comes the end, Paul says, when he delivers the kingdom to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule. That's a paradigm. That's a system of our understanding in this life. He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And then the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So many of these things, again, that well, death, I suppose you might say, is tangible, something that we can reach out and touch, so to speak. But these systems and these 
things that are in existence that we can understand and that we well, we'll just acknowledge as being so, even if we can't see them necessarily, those things are going to be done away with when the end comes. The end of all these things. It, it includes everything. He goes on to say in that verse back in First uh, Peter chapter 4, he says, the end of all these things is at hand, doesn't he? He describes when this end is going to come. It doesn't just speak of when, but it speaks of a proximity, I guess you could say, a nearness. That's what at hand means. If you look in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, I wouldn't turn there because it's a brief verse, but it says that then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near. That's the same, same phrase as at hand. The sinners were at hand to him, to hear him. Jesus was at hand to them. It speaks of proximity. And so I guess by extension you could say, well, my, my drink here is at hand. It's really close to me. So because it's so close, well, the span of time that it takes for me to retrieve it. Small. It's short. It's very near. It's at hand. It's within arm's reach. It's very close. And as a result, bang, it can be here like that, right? The end of all things is close. It's at hand. It speaks of both time and proximity. Jesus was at hand to those ones. He was close, requiring little time to reach out and touch him, hear him, and those sorts of things. And so it was for Peter in his day. And so it was for us, or not was, but is for us today. Uh, the end, well, it's at hand. It's near. The proximity is close. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, as I always say when, when I speak on the end day, the day of the Lord, when everything comes to a close as we know it now, we're on the Lord's clock. It was for Peter at hand, just as it is to us. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a 1,000 years and a thousand years as one day. And it's always fun for me to say, so what Peter was saying was at hand, that was just two days ago that he said that, essentially. Just a couple of days. That's true. It's at hand. We are much nearer to our salvation than when we first began. Much nearer to his being present, whatever the situation might be. Why did Peter speak this statement? What was his motivation in telling us that, well, the end of all things is at hand. If you flip back to where we were, why, do, why was he speaking on this and what was his purpose? Uh, Peter spoke a lot about the end to come, about the day of the Lord and his return. I'll just throw this in for free. If you consider it, I love that Peter spoke, and I, I might have mentioned this before, but I love that Peter spoke about the end of the Lord, or not the end of the Lord, but the end of things, the end time approaching, the day of the Lord coming, and that it was at hand knowing full well that the Lord had told him what death he was going to experience. He, I presume, unless the Lord gave him, well, he understood that unless the Lord told him otherwise, he wasn't going to see. Well, he wasn't going to be alive to see that, at least not naturally speaking. So why did he speak it so, so abundantly here in his epistles? What was his point and his purpose. I like that he had the well-being of God's people in mind, and he encouraged them to recognize and to understand it, the preparation needed to be taking place on their part. They, 
Well, whether it was the day of the Lord that came or the end of their own respective natural lives, he wanted them prepared for this. And so he spoke with that motivation there. Uh, if you look here in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, where we were, you can follow his motivations by looking at the therefores, I guess you could say. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, as a result, right? Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, where he says, you know, like, let me see what I got here. In verse 10, when he said, the, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. We spoke about that just a moment ago. Now look at the next verse there in Second Peter chapter 3. Therefore, or as a result, or because of this, because these things are going to come to an end, because the end of all things is, is upon us, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, he says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Because all things are going to end, he says, consider how you are in comparison to how we ought to be. In the Lord, or, or, or how we should be pursuing, or are we on that track to, well, with a life that reflects, that reflects that we are, well, how did he put it? Hastening that day? Looking for that day? Urging on, encouraging in speed that day? You follow the therefores and you can understand what his motivation was. He says, therefore, because this is coming, this is how we should be behaving. And so, back in our text once again, in 1 Peter chapter 4. We have a therefore as well there, don't we? Uh, but the end of all things is at hand. And so, therefore, as a result, because, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Specifically regarding prayer, he says there. Specifically, be serious, be watchful. What does he mean by this? In the King James Version, serious is translated sober. It means sound-minded. Uh, elsewhere, well, the suggestion is that it means sane. It's not really, eh, it's not really socially acceptable to talk about to talk about people being insane these days. Uh, they refer to it in a bunch of different softer ways, you might say. But that's what he's saying here: is to have clarity of mind. Purpose and, and, and be about your entire faculties, thinking appropriately and thinking sensibly in regards to your prayers specifically, of approaching it, knowing it for what it is. Uh, I used to work with a guy. Man, he took the job serious. Serious. I was a serious, I was a serious firefighter, don't get me wrong. But there were times when I, I kicked back a little bit. This guy, you know, we used to practice getting low and moving underneath the smoke, right? We used to train in a tower and we'd go and we'd practice that, getting low and staying on one knee and uh, kick-stepping, depending if you know what that means, but just moving, moving in different ways. When this guy would go in on a false alarm in someone's house or in, in, in a commercial occupancy where it was a false alarm and they meet us there, we started to do a search through there, man, he'd get down on one knee and he'd be kick-stepping all, <laughs> all over the place. Maybe I looked stupid right then, but it looked a lot funnier, I promise you, if, uh, if I actually went through the motions for you. And he was doing it all over, and, and guys would sit there and say, why? why is he took it serious. He took it serious. And I, I couldn't sit there and poke at him and say, wow, man, that guy takes it too serious. Because I guarantee you, when it got salty on a, on a bad call or something, he was going to be kick-stepping and doing it right by habit, by practice. 
by getting low even when, when, well, when it was, well, when it wasn't bad. He took things serious. He was very sober about those things. We can take prayer not so serious sometimes. We come here every Friday. Every Friday. We kneel at these altars, and sometimes we simply do it. We do it, and it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, and I'll never dissuade you from doing it. But we need to approach it seriously, soberly, with the expectation and somewhere in the back of our mind and our consciousness, if not at the very forefront of our consciousness, is the end is coming, right? So we need to be serious in our prayers. They went to see what had happened in Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed after he had cast out legion by name. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He was sober, he was right-minded, he was sane, and he was purposed. That's how we're to approach prayer. Having put aside the things that distract. Having put aside the things that, well, there might be substantial, serious things, as legion was in the moment. And being serious about those things. Watchful means literally not intoxicated. To be literally sober. Uh, not having any influence or any inebriation from something on the outside, not compromised in our faculties. That's how we're supposed to approach prayer. I mean, purposed, intentional, focused in these things. Therefore, let us not sleep, Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.6, as others do. But let us watch and be sober. That's our term there. Be watchful. So as not to be distracted by anything internally, not to be distracted by anything that would shift us or inebriate us, literally or figuratively, but to be focused, to be sober-minded, to be steady, to take seriously our time with the Lord. Saints, our prayer, whether it's here or whether it's at home, and let me encourage you to pray at home. I hope this isn't the only place that you pray, as I say often. When you pray at home, when you pray here, it's something that should be approached seriously, respectfully, considerately before the Lord. It should be implemented watchfully, intentionally, and vigilantly. It's beneficial and it's profitable to us in so many different ways. So many different ways, but not the least of which is to prepare for the end of all things. To prepare for that day when the Lord is coming. What an opportunity it is for us. I don't take it lightly. I will be quite honest with you. When I was a young person, I Fridays were my favorite nights because the preacher spoke a lot shorter. <laughs> I don't always speak shorter. It seems uh, the clock moves fast even on Friday nights for me. But I didn't take seriously prayer. I've given all kinds of uh, a number of different examples where it was demonstrated to me and proven to me how... Uh, how little stock I put in communing with our Heavenly Father. I don't do that anymore. For the most part, there are those times. I'm not saying pat myself on the back. I'm patting the Lord on the back. He's worth talking to. He's worth approaching at all times. But certainly, certainly when we set aside a structured time, a frameworked time for us to gather together as, a, as, as an assembly, as a church family, man, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Be watchful. Be sober. Make your prayers count and let Him prepare you. Let Him prepare you, your mind and your heart, for the end of all things. Even if we don't see it from this side of heaven, the end of all things is coming and we want to be ready. So make your prayers count, child of God. Be serious 
Be watchful on Friday nights and every time you come before the Almighty God.